0: The glory of God's creation. We're going to be talking about you know, the, the gloriousness of some different aspects of creation this morning. I'll go ahead and read. Uh, a lot of my passages are going to be from Genesis, most of them, but I chose Psalm 19 because I didn't want to read the real long passage uh, here at the beginning. Psalms 19, 1 through 6. Here, the word of the Lord. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. May God add His blessings to their hearing and reading of His holy word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we do praise You and magnify You. We thank You, Father, for the opportunity to come into Your house. And Father, we pray Your Spirit's presence would be in this place today. Father, not only this house, but every house of worship this morning that, that worships You and is, that acknowledges that You are God and that You sent Your Son, Jesus Christ, and that Your Spirit is alive and well. Pray Your blessing and Your presence be upon each and every house today, Father God, that, that we would just know that You are with us. And Father, I pray that we would hear what You have for us today, Father. May it touch our hearts and may we live a life that is truly uh, holy unto Thee. And Father, that you would just guide and direct us in all that we do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, last Sabbath, I mentioned that while we were out camping, that the children, uh, when it got dark, they're out there and they're like, wow, look at the stars. They're so much brighter and so much more glorious out here. And you know, indeed, there is something special about taking time to observe God's magnificent creation. Whether we are out there camping or in the woods, observing the glory of the stars, or whether we're at the ocean, observing the glorious waves rolling in and out, or whether we are at the Smoky Mountains, observing the beautiful grandeur of all the mountains. It is something special about observing God's creation. Because we know that God created it all, right? You know, we are not to worship the creation, but we are to worship the Creator. You know, we can look at the stars and be all by them, but we're not to worship them. We can look at that ocean and be all by it, but we're not to worship that. We are to worship the One who created all the beauty, all these things. You know, when I look at creation, even in its fallen state, because we know that even creation groans for the Lord to set things right. We know that creation itself has been affected, because we know those pesky weeds and insects, we have to deal with them all the time. We know, you know, you look out in the woods, there's dead trees. But even in its fallen state, it is still amazing, isn't it? It is so beautiful. You know, when you look at all of creation and how it all works in perfect harmony, and and I believe that God created it all. You know, how could someone look at all of creation and how things work and think that that just happened by chance? That is beyond me, I think it takes more faith to believe that than to believe that God created it. I really do. you know there have been some professing Christians and leaders over the years that uh, have has done the church some harm uh, in answers to Genesis or answers in Genesis by Ken Ham. he says that b b Warfield and Charles Hodges, great leaders of the Christian faith during the eighteen hundreds They adopted the theory of evolution, that theory of billions of years, with Genesis. So according, he says, Hodges said that the church has been forced more than once to alter her interpretation of the Bible. So these two men unlocked the door for compromise is what they did by undermining biblical authority. Friends, believers have to decide, are we going to believe the Word of God as absolute authority, or are we going to compromise and pick which pieces are we going to believe in and which pieces we're not going to believe in? You cannot believe in the biblical account of creation and evolution at the same time. They do not mesh together. It does not work that way. So we have to decide, which are we going to believe? Are we going to believe God, or are we going to believe the theory of some scientist. I choose to believe God. Because Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I believe the Scriptures to be true. If we believe the Scripture to be true, then we must believe the Genesis account of creation. And we should not compromise on what it says. I believe what it says to be true. So I'm going to just take bits and pieces of the whole creation story. not going to read through all of it. Begin with Genesis 1, right at the beginning. Chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Bible very simply states that God created the heavens and the earth. The earth, my friends, did not create itself. It didn't just happen by chance. There's not a chance that everything that works in perfect harmony, as it does, just fell into place by some big bang. I'm sure that most of you probably seen on the news, uh, it's maybe been a couple months ago, this explosion, and what country was that, this fertilizer plant? I don't remember what country it was in. Anybody remember? Lebanon. Lebanon, Lebanon, that's it? Lebanon. Lebanon. David knows. There was an explosion there, a fertilizer plant. It looked like an atomic bomb going off. And I guess people had videos, and it's like, Debris just flew for miles and it landed. My friends, that was a big bang, wasn't it? Wasn't that a big bang? Did it bring order? No. It brought the opposite, didn't it? It brought destruction. Things didn't blow up and land and bring life, did it? It brought death and destruction. My friends, how could someone possibly believe that there was a big bang that everything just exploded and then fell into perfect harmony? Man, it would take amazing faith to believe that. Because I think a bang is going to bring destruction. I believe a creating God is going to create and bring life. Isaiah 42.5 says, Thus says God the Lord, Who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. God's creation is so amazing whenever we consider the greatness of the universe. And I have a lot of information, and I hope I don't bore you with it. A typical galaxy contains billions of individual stars. Now, I'm not at a, I don't study astrology and getting a star and all that astronomy and all that stuff. So I just found this information, but it, I think it's so amazing. So every galaxy contains billions of individual stars. Our galaxy alone, which is the Milky Way, contains 200 billion stars. And if you go out at, you know, if you go out at night like observing the stars, you're going to think, "Wow, you know, we can find that star every night in the sky in the same place." Well, they do move. The stars do move around a little bit. But you'll still be able to find those stars in the sky. I'm not very good at finding them. I might find the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and maybe the North Star, but that's about it. As I said, I don't study astronomy. But I'm still amazed by the gloriousness of God's creation. You know, those stars, they, when you think about them, they move, but you don't really know that they are. If you're driving down the highway, it, that's known speed, let's say 70 miles an hour. So you're driving down the highway... And those little posts along the road, you know, they're going, they're going by real quick. But if you're on the flat land, you look out and there's a mountain way out there 10 miles away, you see, it's like it's taking you a long time to get by that mountain, right? We're billions of miles away from those stars. That's why you can't tell that they actually move a little bit. But they do move a little bit. So amazing, though, that they're still there, that God holds them in place. Our galaxy is like a giant spiral rotating in space with arms reaching out like pinwheels. Our sun is one star on the arm of that pinwheel, but this is only our galaxy. There are many other galaxies in many other shapes, including spirals, seer, <coughs> severe spherical clusters, I didn't say that right, and flat pancakes. The average distance between our galaxy and another galaxy is about 20 million trillion miles. Our closest galaxy, is Andromeda galaxy about 12 million trillion miles away. I can't even fathom that in my mind. But then that too helps me understand the awesomeness of God's creation because I can't even fathom 12 million trillion miles. You couldn't travel that in a lifetime, right? For every patch of sky the size of the moon, if you could look very in, deep into it, you would see about a million galaxies. Amazing vastness, my friends, and our God created it all. He says in Isaiah forty-eight thirteen, Indeed, my hand has laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand has stretched out the heavens. When I call them, they stand up together. God stretched out the heavens. Isaiah 40, verse 12 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of His hand? measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. That is how awesome our God is. Let's move on to Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 19. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens, to divide the day from the night, and let them be for a sign in seasons and for days and years. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. My friends, there's not billions of years. The evening and the morning were the, first, the fourth day. God created the earth in six days, my friends, not millions or billions of years. You know, the sun is actually the closest star. And it is about 93 million miles away from the earth. It takes the sun's light 8.3 minutes to reach us. The moon, however, is only 283,900 miles away. You know, I've heard teachers speaking about the the sun and the earth and how they're just precisely uh, the right distance away from one another. You know, they say if it was just a wee bit closer, the earth would burn up. Well, a wee bit closer would be a million miles If it was a million miles closer, the earth would be uninhabitable. If the earth didn't rotate, one side would burn up, the other side would freeze. So a wee bit, you know, is is a million miles. But when you look at 93 million miles and millions and millions of miles from the galaxies, that is just a wee bit. But God knew exactly how far to place the earth from the sun. That it could be inhabited by man and enjoyed by man. And would have life on it. Genesis one 20 through 20-23. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. And let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living thing that moves. With which the waters abounded according to their kind. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the sea, and let birds multiply on the earth. So evening and the morning were the fifth day. Fifth day, God filled the oceans and filled the sky with creatures. I found that this was an old report, actually, from 2015. Scientists identified almost 1,500 new creatures in the world's oceans including a humpback dolphin, a giant jellyfish, and they determined that most species of marine life are yet to be found. Experts published in their findings listed a total of 228,450 different marine species worldwide, ranging from seaweed to blue whales and the estimate between 500,000 and 2 million more Multicelled marine organisms are still unknown. So they know that there's still many unknown. Wouldn't it be amazing to be down at the, the ocean or the sound somewhere fishing, and you bring a fish in, and you're like, well, "What is it?" Well, I don't know. You go to the specialist. What is it? Well, I don't know, because there's many more out there yet to be found. Wouldn't it be amazing to catch one of them? Well, I was fishing one time with my brother-in-law, Jr. And we were actually fishing in the sound, not out in the ocean. And I don't know that I'd been uh, saltwater fishing before that, maybe a time or two. But we're out there fishing one day all day, and we just caught a vast array of things. I mean, from sea trout to croaker to bass to... And I've brought one in, and I'm like, what is it? And all of a sudden, it started making this funny noise. (laughs) And it's blowing up. I'm like, what is that thing? That's just weird. It was a blowfish. (laughs) And it just starts blowing itself up. There are some amazing creatures out there in the ocean. Some very unique creatures out there in the ocean. Some of them you don't want to be around. You know, know, they they might eat you for lunch. But there are some amazing creatures out there. Birds, however, they are traditionally thought of to be a well-studied group with more than 95% of their global species identified. You know, it's kind of a lot easier to study the birds, isn't it? Because they're above ground. They're not thousands of feet below the surface of the water. a little bit easier to discover. But they estimate that there are roughly between 9,000 and 10,000 species of birds. How awesome. How awesome his creation, right? But there's more. There's more to God's wonderful creation. There's an amazing creation of mankind. Let's look to Genesis 1. And I actually am going to look this up because I added a couple verses. But you can still put it up there. But I did add a couple. Beginning at verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every herb, green herb, for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very good. The others say, he saw that it was good and said that it was good. But when he created man, he said it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. On the sixth day, God created man and said, It is very good. My friends, mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation. And I sought the information of a PhD, Dr. Jerry Bergman, and he shares this information. He says that mankind has been fascinated with the form and function of the human body from the very beginning. For a beauty of sheer simplicity of line, it is unmatched. As a machine, the human body is the pinnacle of God's work. And he said that it was very good. You know, chemically, the body is unequaled for complexity. Each one of its 30 trillion cells is a mini-chemical factory which performs about 10,000 chemical functions. Every cell has one trillion bits of data equal to every letter in 10 million books. Each one also replaces itself every seven years. Every cell, isn't that amazing? Every cell replaces itself every seven years. And each one is independent, yet it cooperates with millions of other cells. Isn't this body so amazing? It is so amazing. Even though there are over four billion people alive today, each body is exorbitantly expensive. It says if the chemicals and the chemical elements were brought into the open market, a medium-sized, medium-sized human body would cost at least six million dollars. Wasn't there a show many years ago called The Six Million Dollar Man? How accurate was that, right? The chemicals in the body, they say would be worth six million dollars. I don't know where I don't know what chemicals it is, but the body's billions of parts all work together as a team. Its two hundred and six bones provide the framework, and its six hundred and thirty-nine muscles enable it to move with incredible speed and split second timing. Its skills to balance its skill to balance is such that we can perform feats of aerobatics and yet have the strength that official, official human weightlifting feats abound. It even demonstrates an incredible strength by normal people under adverse conditions. Maxwell Rogers once lifted the end of a 3,600 pound car because of the jack holding the car up had collapsed and landed on his son, so he lifted it himself. The, the human body can be incredible. our body is controlled and coordinated by over 16 billion neurons and 120 trillion connection boxes. Packed together into an unfathomable complex set of neuro passageways. The system is much like a modern nation interconnected by billions of telephone wires all of this in a brain and spinal column that weighs slightly over Three pounds In comparison, a bee has only 900 nerve cells, and an ant only 250. In the large gauge fiber, nerve impulses flash along at 300 miles per hour. A scientist estimated that our brains, on average, process over 10,000 thoughts and concepts each and every day. Some people process even greater things than that. The mind is an awesome and amazing thing. The human ear has 24,000 hair cells, converts vibration to electrical impulses, which is capable of hearing sounds of astonishing low levels. When you look at the eye, we find that the amount of radiation, light energy, necessary to stimulate the optic nerve in the eye is so small that if the mechanical energy required to lift a single P one inch, was to the light energy, that would be enough to provide the stimulus to, ocu- to activate the optic nerve. To work this marvelous machine we call the human body, we need energy and building materials. Our three and one half pounds of daily food intake is chewed by our 32 teeth that we have. But it mixes with saliva, A mild digestant secreted from the glands located within the mouth. It goes through our esophagus and digestion continues in the stomach. The stomach, my friends, even the stomach is an amazing organ. It must dissolve the food but yet not dissolve itself. If you took the acid out of the stomach and put it on this pulpit here, it would destroy the finish on it right now in seconds. If it does eat through the stomach, that's when you get ulcers. You're going to bleed. So, as food moves through, after it goes through the stomach, it goes through small intestines, a 20-foot tube, and absorbs minerals and vitamins and food into the bloodstream. Then it will go through the large intestines, which absorbs water and other liquids. You know, the body is just so amazing. The heart beats over 100,000 times each and every day. It moves blood through 168 million miles around in our body. We take about 23,800 breaths every single day, bringing in 438 cubic feet of air into our lungs every single day. Every day. To convey information about temperature and other body conditions to the brain, the skin alone has about four million structures which are sensitive to pain in addition it has about one half a million sensitive to touch and two thousand to temperature and it reports these sensations to the brain some people say that all this just happened some people say that we evolved from apes well my theory on that is If we evolve from apes, why isn't there something out there in between right now? Because it would still be evolving, right? God created mankind. God created us the way we are. God gave us these amazing brains and hearts and lungs and stomachs and all these things, organs that we have. Psalms 139, 13 and 14 say, For you were formed, for you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. All of creation, my friends, declare the glory of God. Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. In Psalms 8 verse 1 and then verse 3 and 4 says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? My friends, you think we've, we've asked a question different times in Sabbath school and different studies What about those people that live in the remotest part of the earth and have not had a preacher come and preach to them? My friends, the heavens declare God's glory. The heavens declare His handiwork. We are the pinnacle of His creation. He created the earth and gave us dominion over it. How awesome is that? How wonderful is that? But the most wonderful thing is that God created us in His image. And how could I speak of all this and not say that He desires to have that relationship with each and every one. Each and every individual that has the breath of life because God is the one that gives it. Who has the ability and and the mind to make decisions. Has the heart to decide for Him. He desires that we would turn to Him. That we would look to Him as the Creator of the heavens and the earth. And that we would cry out to him. Most importantly, to ask for forgiveness of our sins and believe in his son, Jesus Christ, who himself became a man and dwelt on this earth and died for our sins. My friends, look to the Creator. The creation is wonderful, but I plead with you look to the Creator, the God that made all that we see and has given us life, and it wants us to have eternal life with him. But we can only have that through His Son, Jesus Christ. So look to Him today. Trust in Him today. Amen.